Well, let's read the Bible together. I hope you've got Matthew's Gospel open. If not, you can open it now or turn it on. Sylvia's gonna read for us. Good morning. The reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter one, beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Why don't we pray and ask for God's help? Father, thanks for your word, this familiar account of the birth of Jesus Christ is sometimes so familiar that we miss something, and would you help us to notice just what you're doing through the Lord Jesus Christ, just what you have done, and just what you continue to do in him. Help us, we pray, for Christ's sake, amen. The run-up to Christmas this year has left us all a little bit weary, hasn't it? It's been less dashing through the snow and a bit more dashing of our hopes. You can tell the tabloid writers to come to me. Less Frosty the Snowman, more Neffet the Noman. Are your nerves jingled? Are your tempers jangled? Well, mine are. But perhaps it's this current weary context, coupled with the stuff that life just brings that's routinely distressing, that brings us all out here today, hoping, craving, longing to be reminded of the real Christmas good news. And that's my role today. And, and please, as we've just been praying, don't, let's not be so familiar with the account of Matthew's gospel that it fails to salve our weariness. Remember that when Matthew wrote, his book that you're just reading was breaking into 400 years of weariness with this announcement that God was making a long-promised arrival, Jesus Christ. And this arrival wasn't any ordinary arrival. It would be unlike any other of the turning points in world history. Jesus Christ, you see, would be Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was born into a world piercing into the hopeless darkness as he came and then he lived, he died, and he died in your place for your rescue. And for Christians, 
The darkness is definitely there around us. But remember, because of Jesus Christ, its hours are always numbered. The hours of darkness are numbered. As they are, we approach the, we approach the, the equinox of the year. The hours of darkness are numbered. And as Christians with Christ, it's the same. Hopelessness and weariness are always on notice because of Christ. So just look for a few moments at Matthew's weariness-piercing spotlight on Jesus Christ. That's what this is. So here's the first thing. Spotlight on Jesus. The origins. Now that this is a new chapter in history, Matthew signals to us in the very opening words. Look at chapter one, verse one. And I know it's perhaps not on the screen or, um, but look back to the very opening words of Matthew's gospel. Because he writes this, he says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So this is a book about origins. That's what that word genealogy means, origins. And so here's the signal, that just like the first book of origins, Genesis, as R.T. France puts it, a new creation is now taking place. Isn't that interesting? Even in that opening line, origins, there's a new creation. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now we may not be aware, but Matthew's indicating fulfillment here, fulfillment. In Jesus, all you see those Old Testament promises, everything that was being pointed to, God's Messiah takes his throne as promised in the line of great King David and then in the line of his father, Abraham. So watch Jesus. Matthew beckons us. He says, watch him inaugurate this new era. Now, most of the retellings of the Christmas nativity, at least the ones that I've enjoyed, start with Mary and an angel or perhaps a decree about a Roman census. Yet Matthew's shining the light right back to the origins of God's creation with that echo of Genesis and then to Abraham and David. And so you and I are meant to realize that these origins, this Messiah will change the world. Are you getting your first lockdown mixed up with the second one? Or was it the third? I've heard a few people talking like that. We, we sometimes find it hard to get it straight, those recent events, and we get them a bit muddled. But Matthew wants us to notice way back, and he spotlights this, a historical reality that we need to be tuned into, something big that's worth knowing and studying carefully. And what's Matthew saying? Well, he's saying that Jesus' origins um, um, demonstrate that God who promised a house in line to David, 2 Samuel 7, is in fact keeping those promises. God who promised Abraham big, well, he was fulfilling those with the birth of Jesus. Confidence. Hope-building confidence. That's what Matthew's giving us if we're listening. He's giving us confidence as he shows us that God, through the arrival of Jesus, proves that he can be trusted. God can be trusted. He's a God of his word. Look back and see the, the new chapter that God opened with the birth of Jesus. And remember, too, that as you came to follow him personally, if you're a Christian, 
If you came to follow or if you've come to follow him as Lord and Savior, you put your hope in the promise maker and the promise keeper. Then you've got that long list of names, enough to put you to sleep perhaps, and yet even that is significant because Matthew's list of names, he's putting Jesus in his historical framework. Okay, origins established. Next, Matthew spotlights the birth, the birth of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And as readers, we we may well be asking, whose son is he? Have a look from verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So the son of David, the son of Abraham, we're quickly told is this son born to Mary. But Matthew very carefully alerts us that his father wasn't Joseph. This son of David, son of Abraham, was in fact the son of God. Now isn't there a a definite intrigue to the events here, as you can see? Look at Joseph. He had, verse 19, resolved to divorce her quietly. Such was the shock and alarm at her pregnancy. But then Matthew records perhaps the most extraordinary, most intriguing detail of Jesus' birth. Have a look. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So this birth, according to Matthew, will signal not a scandal, but a saving. Do you see the difference there? Although you might think in all this intrigue it's a scandal, in fact, it's a saving. And so the name he's to be given, Jesus, means God saves. And the angel in the dream spells it out. He will save his people from their sins. And so as Matthew signals this fulfillment, he also signals a rescue, a saving. And it's the ultimate rescue. Have you watched the desperation on the TV screens of people who will try anything to get to Europe by boat. Such are the scenes that have filled our TVs and newspapers and internet news reports. People who risk and sometimes lose their lives in the process. And a couple of years there was this story. There was a small group of people, I think it was nine men and two boys, and they'd been at sea for two days and they were running out of food. They were coming from Tunisia in the north of Africa, trying to make their way to Italy. And a humanitarian ship made its way to them and offered them, come on board, we'll rescue you. And you know what they said? They said, no, we have a better chance of making it to Italy by ourselves. They refused it. And, and, and that tragedy of refusing rescue is sometimes played out as countless people look at the birth of Jesus who came to save his people from their sins and then outright refuse the offer. That's an offer that still stands, by the way, that offer of rescue from the Son of God born to save. The weariest of Christmases could be the one that you finally take God at his word and accept his ultimate rescue, Jesus Christ. Now, no matter what any of us might headline as our greatest problem, whether it's where we live or where our children grow up or whether we're free, 
Will the Bible challenge us to see at the core of all the problems we face is sin? A lifestyle of defiant rejection of God, the God who made us. And it's a disastrous problem and we can't save ourselves from it. We need to be rescued from it. Sin, of course, can seem less tangible, can't it, than COVID, more obsolete and old-fashioned than some of those black and white Christmas films. But sin hasn't been eradicated with human progress. It's not just evident on every street corner, it's bound up with every single one of us. Sin really is our greatest problem. And so this record of the birth of Jesus spotlights it. Right at the start of his account, Matthew takes it head on. Jesus, God saves. He will save his people from their sin. So we should pay attention to this king, not because he's a warrior, not because he's taking a throne in strange circumstances, but because he's offering us a rescue we cannot afford to refuse. He's offering your friends, your family, your neighbors, every one of us, he's offering us a rescue we can't afford to refuse. It would be a disaster to leave Jesus with the nativity set, box him away for another year. Do you know what it's like? It's, it's the equivalent of taking the RNLL, RNLI lifeboat out of service. So imagine I'm in the middle of a storm and I'm the one that calls the shots on these things and I'm caught in a storm off Dunleary and as I'm struggling for breath, I take out my phone and I call the lifeboat and I say, listen, take it over to the museum. Put it on view, I don't need it. Isn't that ridiculous? Blackrock, Matthew's telling us plainly that the manger is in fact a lifeboat. And that's the spotlight, isn't it, with the name of Jesus and the explanation that the angel gives. And if you're a Christian who's been a bit, little bit adrift these past w little while or away or all over the place, Matthew's offering you rescue to see in the Lord Jesus Christ a rescue from the easy entanglement and strength sappingness, is that a word, of sin that ruins lives and keeps us living for self. So if that's you as a Christian this weary Christmas, listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. They're on the screen here. Come to me, Jesus said, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take the lifeboat. Well, thirdly and finally here, Matthew spotlights another name for Jesus. Here it is, Emmanuel. All this took place, this is Matthew 1 verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Haven't we seen that Matthew's been signaling fulfillment? Well, here he trumpets it. He, he spells it out. 
Jesus was born, he tells us, to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy, the birth of God with us, Emmanuel. And that was the news, the good news, to weary, lost, wandering people, the people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light, the prophet Isaiah said. God came to be with us. God came to be with sinners. Almighty God, perfect, holy, and mighty, came to live with imperfect, spoilt, and undeserving human beings like you and me. There have been many, many selfless acts in history. How many Mother Teresas could we count up? People who gave up an easy life for service in the squalor with the dirt poor. But nothing can compare to Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus himself came to the squalor of a stable with the dirt poor. And yet he offers a hope to everyone. And we can see that Emmanuel is, is not just for those who were actually there at the time in the first century. You see, Matthew returns to this Emmanuel theme in his final chapter. If you have your Bible open, or if you can, turn to Matthew chapter 28, all the way at the end of Matthew's book. And he says this in verse 20. And surely I am with you. There it is, Emmanuel. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew's done it right at the start, shown us Jesus, God saves, God with us, and now at the end in the mouth of Jesus himself, I am with you. See, the truth is that Jesus Christ, who Matthew introduces us here to as God saves, and the one who'd be called God with us, is now by the Holy Spirit with us, those who trust him, those who have taken his lifeboat. Jesus is with his followers. If you're a Christian, did you know that Jesus is not just the Lord, the Davidic King, God's chosen one, and your Savior, but that he's with you, Emmanuel, through the Holy Spirit. And by following him, you've become one of his people. He's with you. Let Emmanuel mean a new chapter for you this Christmas. Just as it was new and a better chapter for those walking in darkness at the turn of the Testaments. Let Emmanuel, God with us, provide you with enduring, real hope for your weary soul. Well, just as we finish, I heard the reading out of a letter on the radio this past week. There was someone who was, had faced a really, really tough time. Their family had faced the pressure with rent increase, home and job loss, financial difficulties despite working really hard and trying to make ends meet. And eventually, do you know what the, this person did? Do you know what they did? They reached out to someone for help. Now, I'm convinced that Matthew, in spotlighting Jesus Christ, his origins, his birth, his names, Matthew's inviting you and I to do the same to reach out to help that can only come from above. I want you to think about that. And I, I want us to finish by praying the words of my new favorite psalm. If you can have one favorite. Well, here's my new favorite. It's Psalm 130. Maybe you'll 
read it later and reflect on it. And in fact, it's a line towards the end of that that Matthew seems to pick up as he talks about Jesus, the one who will save his people from their sins. Let's reflect and pray as we finish. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there's forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Father, we look up and we reach up to you this morning. From our depths, from our weary world, our weary circumstances, and our hearts rejoice. You are Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.